to be So come with me When I have been so warm with you Just one touch please In the morning light When the sun don't come through your windows to want to be Yourself to me, you won't show yourself to me. Oh, she lives by the castle, she lives by the castle. Play those games with me. You foolishly thought I would not join in. Just your luck. I'm a losing man. Cause any game that I play, I Thanks for doing this, man. How you been? Yeah, I've been good, man. I've been, you know, just like it's, you know, it gets dark at like 5 p.m. now. So just kind of like settling into that, you know, sleeping a lot longer. Feels really nice, honestly. Right. Um, just, you know, unwinding. Just chilling with my dog for a minute and my wife. <laughs> it's just kind of, it's kind of what I'm on these days. <laughs> yeah. You? Uh, you know, I'm pretty good. It's just like, I don't know. It's just pretty much the same. Not really all that busy, honestly. Just kind of been like reading and hanging out. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, I mean, I've been back on the on the reading tip lately. It's been really, really nice. I feel like I just kind of put it off for so long. Like I just kept forgetting to like incorporate it into like 
my day to day. And then like, I've just been on, I've been on a pretty good streak lately, just like one a month, you know? Mm. Um, but trying to start small. Cause like the other day I was at, you know, a friend's bookstore and, you know, I picked up a copy of like JR by William Gaddis. And oh, he was nice. just like, he was just like, yo, dude, you're not going to read that. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. He was, like, what was the, he was like, what was the last book you read? And I was like, oh, you know, like it had been so long. And uh, I kind of realized I was like, I need to get back into shape. You know, if I'm going to like start tackling the like monster. Yeah. Thousand, <laughs> thousand pagers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, it's been, I've been feeling good, man. You know, life is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm stoked to be on here. It's a, it's a treat. I mean, like, I feel like, um, I've like listened to Contain in so many like just funny environments and like context. You know, like it's never, it's never just like a, you know, I'm cleaning my room or like doing something like that. Like, like I feel like one of the first times I went on like a kind of a big marathon, I was like. I listened to your RXK nephew interview and like, I think the one you did with Tim organ tapes, like while I was driving across Washington by myself, like the summer. And like, then there was like another time, like I kind of randomly like went to the ER or something. It was like nothing like big or anything, but I was listening to (laughs) the one you did with Jennifer Harama. Oh, that must've been a trip. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. It was That was one of my favorite episodes. I mean, you know, me and her have a long relationship. So it it was really fun to get to rap with her, especially because like she keeps a lot of her like parapolitical deep like politics knowledge, like very, very hidden. And it was really cool for her to like go in because she has like deep family Nixonian ties like the whole it's like completely insane yeah so yeah, to her hear, life has kind of like it's like like pension kind of like energy or something yeah totally she's yeah. she's really like a one-of-a-kind person and it's oh. it, it's kind of funny because I feel like her at least her like aesthetic and style is like sort of coming back in a weird way which i mean i'm like such a huge royal trucks fan it's like fucking crazy but um (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. no i mean her whole thing from like the deep fry vocal cord to the wearing like raccoon tails and like tattering them onto the back of your jeans and just sort of like (laughs) doing whatever you want i I think she's sort of like a progenitor of a lot of the things that we're seeing now. And I mean, she's definitely like a massive inspiration to me. Absolutely. You Did you play in Royal Trucks, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I played on the White Stuff album and then we were mm-hmm. supposed to go on tour. I was playing a uh, second guitar for the Accelerator tour. So I was practicing the whole album and then Neil bailed. Oh man! Like literally, last day canceled the whole thing, and that was basically it. It was just done from then on. And yeah, they're not. They're definitely not getting back together. But yeah. yeah, I got to see them a couple of times um, on the reunion tours, um, and it was just it was incredible. I mean, like the first one that I saw, they played with. I think they played with like Blues Control and IUD. 
the like gang gang dance IUD. Oh yeah. It was just like, I mean, it was, it was so, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like I've been a fan for a while, you know, and it just kind of see, I was always wondering, like, I was always curious as to what like the energy would be like on stage. And it was just so like, you're kind of, I don't know. It was kind of mind blowing. <laughs> and then the next time I saw them too, I think that like they had just finished like a tour with negative approach or something like that, like a European tour. It was kind of like really sloppy and like chaotic, but and it was kind of like what I was hoping for from the first show. Cause the first one was like really polished, really rehearsed. It was like first tour, like first show of like the reunion tour. It felt like, right. And like this was sort of like, their 100th show you know just like in deep trucks mode so right. like it, it was kind of a it was kind of incredible to kind of see like both ends of the of that yeah i yeah. um yeah i wasn't in black bananas when they toured with primal scream but that oh, would have been really cool and speaking of, of primal scream martin duffy of felt this is like a felt yeah. dedication episode we're going to talk about yeah. felt mayo thompson oh the man le the letterists art and language uh i guess like 60s and 70s conceptual art and i've been thinking a lot about language and art and sort of like what's i i don't want to say what's gone wrong but mm -hmm. i feel like music we're sort of at this really important point where like music has to sort of like take a kind of form and you're a dj so i mean you sort of you sort of understand this you you know like the meme of like too many djs or whatever <laughs> how do you feel about djing like i mean i have a really fraught relationship to it you know because like every single yeah. dj tells me that of course i mean i think that the fraught relationship to it comes from like using it as a way to make money you know like I feel like, I mean, that's how every, like, that's how like musicians struggle. That's the thing they struggle with. Right. It's like having to use your, your art or whatever, sort of like, you know, this, this niche, like kind of like talent that you have or passion that you have and trying to convert it into something to like, you know, keep you like, keep you afloat or pay your rent. You know, it's like a really like hard thing to grapple with sometimes, but like at the same time, like, I don't know, like it's my preferred mode of like creative expression. Like I've always played in bands and stuff, but like right. I've never I've never made like music on my own, you know? And like I feel like mixes, you know, like the show I do on NTS and stuff is kind of like closest thing I have to sort of like like making work on my own, I guess, or like producing my own solo work, especially just because of the nature of just like the music that I play on there. It's like very textural and like you know, can be really cryptic sometimes, I guess. So like, you know, you kind of, um, it kind of feels like a weird, like expression of like who you are, I guess, or who I am. But yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, like DJing and using it as a way to make money is just like tough. You know, I'm actually playing like later tonight. And like, oh, wow. <laughs> which I'm really stoked for. Like I'm, I'm pumped for like the lineup is really cool playing with like some, um, you know, I'm seeing someone play a live set, this, this artist named Pent, who I really like, you know, it's always fun. Cause it's sort of a way to sort of, you know, have like the sort of communion with like people who you're really, who are like 
kind of like on your level, I guess. But I think like strictly using it as a way to make money can be like just such a bummer. <laughs> like, <laughs> Luckily for me, I've kind of, you know, I kind of like have a job that I like. So I'm just sort of like, I don't really have these like ambitions to like, you know, use it as a way to make a new like career for myself, I guess. So I can kind of just do it for the love of the game. Right. Yeah. The politics of music is really, really ultra strange to me, especially right now, because it's like, on one hand, music is supposed to be this communal experience, but in some ways it can be this incredibly sort of like personal uh, uh, way of like expressing, I don't know. It's the weird thing about it is like when I look at felt like felt, has been such a huge influence on just like the entire contained project. Like when Mm -hmm. me and Alex started it, we were like, well, what are some things we really, really like? We really like ECM records, you know, because there's like a, there's like a whole sort of like world and aesthetic that they were trying to build out. Um, And it was like a, it was like this sort of like deep long form uniformity that really sort of resisted all sorts of like cultural trends. And, you know, it played with certain things like certain technologies and music when you listen to like uh, David Torn or whatever. And, you know, Mm -hmm. when you get into sort of like the 1980s mode, but it, it also like, I just love how they did 10 albums in 10 years and it was the 1980s and then they just blew the whole thing up. But there, there was like, a starting point to where uh, Lawrence said, yeah, I'm doing 10 records and 10 singles and that's the end of the band. And then he goes to Denim, which is basically Mm -hmm. a total fuck you to the 1980s, you know, Mm -hmm. because he really didn't like music from the 80s from what I gather and was more sort of like interested in replaying his childhood of the 70s. And right now it seems like things are like very murky 1970s-esque even though like the the technology (laughs) that mediates everything is like really different but i do sort of a lot of people are like i want to hear guitar music again you know that's what people tell me but it's like there's not we don't really have the means to facilitate it in the same way you know analog studios are incredibly expensive and difficult to like maintain it so and physical physical media even is like you know it's a near impossibility to put out of like a record i mean it's still i guess you can still press cds but at this point like you know lps that are coming out right now unless like you're working with like a european distributor who really has it on lock with like the pressing plant like it's coming out in like two years at this point. Right. It's great. Like, or you yeah. have some sort of like deal with Universal and they get top priority from the domestic yeah. pressing plants. Right. Totally. Um, yeah, I know. I feel like the shift, like everyone is like looking towards like more guitar music, which I think is like, yeah, it's a really beautiful thing. I think like, um, I don't know. And there's all these like new bands that are coming out now that are just are like, so interesting to me you know it, it doesn't feel like how bands felt before like 10 years ago or 15 years ago um it feels like it feels like almost very simple but also feels very like 
heavy and like kind of high concept or something. Like, do you listen to like, have you listened to like Bar Italia or like Double Virgo, any of those like bands from uh, London? I keep getting them recommended to me, but I, yeah, I've never I, checked it out. I think, yeah, I think you would love it. It's, it's something, there's something really amazing about it. I mean, like their first records came out on like Dean Blunt's label. You right. Know, so like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so they, they've been around for a while though, right? Yeah, I think so. For like a few years. And it's, I don't know. It's like it's what I feel like I find them so captivating in a way like this, like, I don't know, like Dean Blunt spent these years, like while everyone's pivoting into like electronic music and DJing and, and raves and all this stuff, like, you know, and pop, like poptimism. He was like, you know, he puts out a record, like, black metal which is like it's like i'm troping on indie rock or like i'm troping on like white music you know and like and it get, got to this point where like the lines get so blurry to where like he's just kind of putting out like kind of like really cool and interesting like guitar for lack of a better word like guitar songs <laughs> right um, yeah and i feel like out of that comes stuff like bar italia and like and and double virgo and like i love the stuff he does with the dean blood does with like joanne robertson too like i don't know i feel like that that's kind of like to me like when when all that started emerging started emerging the last like two years i was just like dude guitar music is back and it's like kind of all i'm like it's all i'm interested in right now too in a way i mean i still listen to like tons of like ambient music and electronic music and dance music and stuff but yeah, I don't know. That stuff's just really getting my 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 blood hot, I guess. Right. <laughs> yeah, but, it's it's crazy. I feel like yeah, I mean, like when I sort of envision music and projects, it's like I really do see it as like what is the sort of function of a band? Like how is this supposed to Yeah. I guess I mean, it's it's hard on one level because it's like so much of even things that are physical that are supposedly ephemeral, like a live performance is still sort of optimized for virality online in some dimension. And it's mm. like, I don't know. It's like, you sort of see this a lot with a, like just sort of like a lot of musical projects. And it's like, how do you do something that doesn't, that isn't so immediately sort of like captivated by that logic I mean, it goes from everything from like, like the most annoying thing to me is when people who have a show or they're playing a DJ set post a picture of their, their like photo of their face for the algorithm. And they're like, I'm playing a show on this yeah. fucking day and you should go. And then they spend all this time making a flyer and then the flyers on like the second page. It, it, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so it's. Yeah. And I understand the logic. You want the most people to see it so like they ostensibly come to your show. But that seems like very like anti Lawrence to me. You know, very he would much. post yeah. I mean, like he wouldn't post. <laughs> no, yeah. He just doesn't post at all, which is really yeah. funny because he finally has a social media page that I don't know who's running it, but I did message oh. them to try to get him on the show so i'm actually working with his management and trying to sort that out right now so yeah. there's a potential lawrence episode on the way that would um, be incredible for sure <laughs> <laughs> um 
Yeah, I mean, like, what's interesting is like I, I was rewatching leading up to this, like, like you know, this 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 interview. Like, I, I feel like I was um, I rewatched like Lawrence of Belgravia. Oh, it's um, so good. That's amazing. And like, what's kind of like so interesting about it is that like at the end of the day, it's like some people think that he kind of has this sort of like you know self sabotaging kind of like attitude. I, I don't think it's intentional because like he clearly, and he states it over and over again, like he really wanted to be famous. Famous, yeah. You know? Yeah. He's like, where's my private jet? Where's my this? But then it's like, well, why are you online? And he goes, well, nobody's ever made any money on the internet, which is like so disconnected. (laughs) It's it's like really endearing in a way. Uh, Yeah. Just to see someone who is like exercises so much control over his own sort of surroundings and his own projects that he can't yeah. even see something so obvious that like if you can game a certain algorithm like he just throws like zero and ones completely out of the window and i think mm-hmm. that's i just think that's really important i don't know i mean you look at a lot of like post internet art and stuff like that it's like everyone's going to remember like like felt's discography you know but nobody is going to remember any of this other stuff like he (laughs) actually sort of made a lasting impact which i do think um is so much more i think it's becoming more and more invaluable now versus even at the time when he was doing it because nobody saw that our relationship to physical media would be so you know, distant. And like one of the things I love about this album, like the reissues is in this like disco box and -hmm. it comes with like pins and he autographs each one. Yeah. Uh, And it's, it comes with like a poster and a Mm -hmm. CD. It's, it's almost like troping on fandom too. It's like, like he has such a traditional like pop idea of like fan to artist relationships you know, and like, like he has a, there's a bit, I think in, or no, it's, I think it's from that interview he does with, um, with that band girls where he's talking about how he's like, he's like, I never talk to my fans. <laughs> and like, it's kind of interesting. Like it's such a, it's such an old school way of like, kind of, um, approaching that, you know, right. like, because now everyone is supposed to be locked in this like parasocial yeah. relationship yeah, yeah. that blurs the line between fan and friendship and it gets all yeah. messy and shit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. And and I, I think it's like kind of amazing too, like that they would treat the felt box set too like that, where it's like giving you as a fan all of this like paraphernalia and like, you know, a poster and all of these like souvenirs basically to be like, this is what your relationship with felt should be. It should be with the music and the merchandise and like the idea and not like like Lawrence as like not like a person, but like a personal, like a like your friend or whatever, you know. Um, I think it's I think it's kind of brilliant. I do too. And it <laughs> like the pin set, uh basically for for poem of the river, it says like there's a pin that just says artwork by Shanghai Packaging Company and another one that says <laughs> felt are a creation artifact. So wow. like basically he's he's also playing on this trope of like you be like 
sort of felt being this product for mm-hmm. consumption and commercialization, yeah. which which almost is like when you create these sort of like, I don't know, like Bayang Chulhan talks a lot about this, how like in a sort of post object world, actually like object fetishism or commodity fetishism is like a virtue in a weird way because mm-hmm. it actually like you reintegrate your relationship to transitional objects that actually mediate your relationship to quote unquote the other instead mm-hmm. of being this thing where like you are the object to be produced and sold which is sort of mm-hmm. like a lot of the issue with like the micro celebrity thing it's like no he was really going for it he's like i want to be a fucking full blown rock star kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, and and sure. it's it's so I mean that's kind of why like rap music I feel like there's no argument against it because it's just fully stating its ambitions, you know? Yeah, and there's I, no there's no there's no like it's not obscured in like pretension at all. You know, it's just it's just fully like yeah, you if you ever wanted to know what it was about, it's all the it's all right there in front of you. And I think like what's interesting about felt too though is that the lyrics are also so cryptic. Oh yeah. You know? Like you kind of don't really know what anything is about. And I think that he's one of those people who really does value like there being some level of like confusion and ambiguity to everything, to like his lyrics and like not really giving it away, you know? Cause like Well, that's I think, so like, important. For sure. I think everything is like there's just this like kind of trend you see or I don't know like I was talking with someone recently and they were talking about how Americans like kind of do need everything like explained in terms of this like sort of like moral thing of like is this right is this wrong and like what happened and like tell me everything that happened and getting this full synopsis of everything and I think what makes yeah a band like felt really great it's just like it from it's they're so enigmatic Lawrence is really enigmatic you know like he literally went by, you know, a mononym, you know, like it's, and I don't know, like every, every cover you kind of think, like when I was like younger getting into felt, you know, I thought that like all the covers were like of Lawrence and then like, like on, um, forever breathe the lonely word. Like I thought that was him. And then yeah, I found it's out, just like, the 16 year old <laughs> keyboard player. <laughs> yeah, totally. Who's amazing. Martin Duffy. Oh Yeah and like change the whole the scope of like not only just the direction of that band but just the scope of what their songwriting was capable of i feel right Um, and some people think that that's for the worst you know i love maurice debank so it's really like but the two periods uh from debank to um Fuck, what's his name? I'm sorry. I forgot. Oh, Martin, Martin Duffy. Uh, Martin I just Duffy, yeah. yeah, I just said it. Uh <laughs> they are so different. And I yeah. feel like bringing that sort of like loungy organ sound kind of is what inspired like L Records, like Luis Felipe and mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the stuff that sort of came from that period, like Momus, for example. And mm-hmm. Momus is like one of my favorites. He's so fucking funny too. His lyrics are just fucking hilarious. Just the sort of ambiguity 
And I think he was really good at like sort of playing with mystery and not giving it all away. You know, like they didn't play that many live shows. Yeah. And I watched, I watched one that they did in like, uh, it was like the live taping in Spain. Right. On like YouTube somewhere. Um, and it doesn't really give off any vibe at all. It actually feels so flat and weird in a way. Oh yeah. They didn't even have a bass player. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, so yeah, that show was like really, really interesting just because mm -hmm. it was so deadpan and it's yeah. basically like all they had to sort of like show for what they were doing. And I think a lot of that just comes down to like feeling like you have to have absolute aesthetic control. And I mean, one of my all time favorite album covers is probably, you know, Poem of the River. Where it's just oh, that sort of like, okay. you know, it's like an oil drum projector light over members of the band and this like dark yeah. shadowy fugue. And that's yeah. it. There's like no text. There's no anything else. And it's sort of like very like warm and inviting. And I mm -hmm. feel like, I don't know, it just sets up like a really interesting presence. And you can really sort of hear like the Mayo Thompson uh influence on that album even though he guess he really didn't like him which i think why declaration he said that he put a child at the mixing desk yeah. which is why the <laughs> vocals were mixed so low but the first line of that song is i will be the first human in history to die of boredom yeah so good <laughs> i mean it's that's kind of like it reminds me of um uh i'm gonna butcher the pronunciation michelle Olbeck. Um, oh yeah. I, I was reading is like speaking of reading, now that I'm reading, but like I read like Serotonin, like I think that's his last novel. Yeah. And it's like the whole premise of it is about a man who's like who says he's like dying of sadness. You know? Right. <laughs> I don't know. I just felt like it was such a funny parallel. Cause like when I when I was listening back to Poem of the River like last week, I was like, damn, it's kind of like very like Wolbeck vibes and I know he's like he's like you know uh like Lawrence is a big Francophile yeah, you know like he definitely. loves like like Michel Polnareff and stuff like that oh uh, Polnareff is so good he's so cool and it's what's crazy about him is that you're like he just kind of suddenly turned into this like Mark Bolin type you know where he was just like <laughs> he used to be kind of this like clean cut like 60s like you know, singer, and then just kind of pivoted into like looking kind of like a pro wrestler or something. Like, I don't even know how else to describe it, you know, um, with the sunglasses and like curly hair and stuff. And his music got a lot weirder, I think, as a result. Um, but, but yeah. Um, yeah, no, it, it's, I think it's like really sort of funny the way because uh, I guess Creation Records forced him to use Mayo Thompson. They were like, this is our yeah. in-house producer. We've got to use this guy. And Mayo Thompson is the leader of the Red Crayola. He sort of straddled the line between art world, conceptual art, and like rock music. He did a lot of stuff with uh, the what were called the Rolling Stones of conceptual art, art and language. Yeah. And I think it's really sort of funny how, how he 
he managed to like put like even the lyrics sort of sound like the vocal delivery sounds like Red Crayola. Even though like Mayo yeah. Thompson produced plenty of other stuff, he produced the first Primal Scream album, like Sonic, uh, the first uh, Raincoats, yeah, record. Raincoats and yeah. Stiff Little Fingers. But for some reason, yeah. this one actually sounds a lot like the Red Crayola. It has yeah. that like Corky's debt to his father sort of vibe. Yeah, it. yeah. And I think and Mayo Thompson even said he's like conceptually, he's like I've listened to Cage and Stockhausen and all of these people. Um, and I feel like I had basically the first five albums, like including Corky's debt were sort of like how I figured out all music. Like this is like the, as far as I could sort of push it, which is why he went on to like be an assistant of Robert Rauschenberg. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's sort of weird. Cause he has this kind of like, <sighs> I don't know. Like I hung out. I've hung out with him a few times. He's a trip. That Whoa, guy. really? Yeah. Whoa. I've met him before. Texas too, right? Yeah, he's They're from like Texas. Houston? Yeah, he's from Houston. Yeah. But yeah. I I met him a few times, and he was really funny. He was like, I was really, I was like nineteen or twenty or something, and the first time he was like, eh, you know, like I never really cared for like the Warhol scene. That was like a little too faggy for me. And it, just, it was making me laugh super hard. But yeah, he, um, yeah, super interesting guy, though. And then, yeah. like, and he lived in L.A. in this like, weird little compound for a little while, like an artist compound out in Pasadena. And I, like, met him at some, like, other weird thing. I think it was actually, like, Mike Kelly's. Mike Kelly had wow. a party at his studio and supposedly destroy all monsters was playing, but it was just this reverberated drum that was super loud. Just like it sounded like schoolie D it was like reverberating wow. throughout this whole studio, like metal shed complex. And there was a blow up inflatable castle, which is very sort of like Jason Rhodesy, Mike Kelly esque, you know, sort of like that kooky Pasadena artist style, which I actually really, really like. Yeah. And I went in and it collapsed on me. And what? and this was like before Mike Kelly, you know, or whatever. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you get this like, there's just this like weird kookiness, but I don't understand where like the whole like communism thing comes in because like art and language were like really into, like all this stuff was like, all the songs were about like Stalin and Trotsky, but it was like done in this like, really sort of like tongue in cheek, kooky way. It just, it's like a strange lineage to just think about all of this stuff. And like, is it good? Is it interesting? How does it stack <laughs> up? Like, is it like, I, I've been thinking like, what's better, you know, felt the felt route, which is like make amazing pop music for yourself. And mm -hmm everyone remembers you and thinks you're the shit and you never did anything bad, even if you're dead broke living in a council estate or like take the, you know, fake MFA, ABEX, CIA, uh, <laughs> you know, pedantic yeah. language route. And <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. it, I feel like sort of we're at this other weird time where like, 
words are sort of not that interesting and it's just sort of all about like environmental sonics and dynamics and like actually producing things Mm -hmm. so yeah that was a little bit of a rant no no i mean i was actually just thinking about like you know the lawrence formula you know is so like that that like that journey or that that trajectory is like i feel like that was really attainable for a while i mean it's still like you still have people who like in your mind are like who are like just kind of these like you know goats in a way who like never get their due or still putting out great music and like um but like i don't know like i always think about like like kind of like lawrence and like like person like kurt cobain um where you know like kurt cobain like kind of had this like anti-fame kind of like energy you know like he was just like i really don't want to be famous i hate being famous whatever but like you know it's like journals came out and it's like since he was a kid he was just like i want to be a rock star i want to be the most famous person in the world and it kind of seems like had like nirvana not kind of blown up not like kind of by accident in a way like I feel like would they have just done like 10 records on like sub pop and like K records and kill rock stars or something. And then Kurt just starts making music with like Dylan Carlson and just, just grinds on that forever. You know, like, I don't know. I feel like they kind of upended that, like kind of like the Lawrence journey that I think a lot of artists could take. Um, but That's maybe, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's just like one thought. Um, so would you say that like grunge, because grunge sort of happened, I guess, prior to the sort of like blokey, it, like what came first, yeah. grunge or like indie pop? I think indie pop is first because like indie pop, you could say, you know, is going from like rough trade, you know, like early 80s, like late 70s rough trade into like 90s, like, like uh, you know, like Happy Mondays, Madchester stuff into like you know like through all the like creation records like leading up to like stuff like oasis and blur and all of right that, you know and i feel like um grunge just kind of feels sort of like i don't even know like what it's like astroturfed you know? <laughs> I, I don't know yeah I, it feels just like so random you know like even the music itself is sort of like it like when you listen to it it's just kind of like so many bad elements all kind of jumbled <laughs> together, you know, yeah. and in a way that like makes sense. It's kind of like, like when you listen to like, it's kind of like how Red Hot Chili Peppers sounds a little bit. Oh less- man, that is like the most confusing band to me. It's like yeah. klezmer Jewish music with like funk and yeah. just like horrible white person rapping and like Mohawk. <laughs> it's just like. It, pajama pants with like vision streetwear. It's just like, there's like nothing cool about it at all. And it just got like massive. It's pastiche. I mean, it's sort of like, you know, there there are bands that sound that honestly, like if you, if you were to just sort of like give someone like a, like no context to what it was, we'd never listened to any of these bands before. And you played probably like red hot chili peppers. And then like, maybe like some Minutemen tracks or maybe like Fugazi, you know, they'd yeah. probably be like, this is all the same band. 
but like it's like sixth grader like different music. messaging you know what's that it's like sixth grader music it's like yeah. sublime is like the kind of band that only got famous because it was like the first thing a sixth grader listened to on k-rock it's so true or something it's, it's very true <laughs> i mean these bands do kind of become these interesting like forays too into like subculture you know like you grew up in la and it's like uh and like i grew up in washington state and it's like you know, Sublime, they're like their fans are kind of like like they're like avatars for like their fans in a way. You know, like mm. they look kind of like their fans. It's like three kind of like pudgy white dudes with no shirts on and like denim shorts. That's like, like go to Long Beach and yeah. everybody's <laughs> like drinking their own piss at like a Reverend Horton Heat concert and like getting like tattoos of like dice being like a cat with slick back hair like rolling dice you know it's so good it's like a like long beach is a trip like i used to trim weed down there and some guy was uh-huh. like me and my bros were at the reverend horton he concert dog and like we we're just like i just like pissed in a cup it was passing it around and everyone was drinking and i was like did you guys like did they know that was pissed he's like yeah like i was just like <laughs> yeah it's it's uh it's super funny yeah that's that's like it that is an entire subculture unto itself you know the like piss drinking long beach kind of like energy you know (laughs) (laughs) it's a it's a weird one and it's like these subcultures like they started fragmenting like smaller and small it's it's really weird Mm -hmm. yeah um But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, like what, what would you say is like the, is there like an updated version of that? You know, like, cause I feel like a lot of that is just so, I don't know. Like, I feel like a lot of like, well, that was like before the internet, you know? So it it just seems like there was no, there was a locality to grunge, you know, there mm-hmm. with the flannel, like the fashion yeah. was dictated by the climate. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, the same That's thing with like sublime, like there were shitty tattoo parlors <laughs> next to the beach and people were just shooting smack and like doing stupid <laughs> things. You know, you know what I mean? Like they're not wearing shirts because it's hot out. <laughs> right. Or they're like at the beach and they just don't <laughs> yeah. care. Yeah, yeah. Versus like now when every sort of subculture is, is so optimized for whatever is perceivable to others through mm-hmm. the internet. It's like even like site specific art, like I was talking to a friend and he was like really into that. And he's like, well, in the end, like you're basically shit like it's all done for documentation's sake. Like not that many people actually get to experience the art in a non-institutional space and then it gets uploaded to Instagram. So, I mean, it's best to sort of bring that outsideness to the institutions itself. And it's kind of, it's kind of funny with like art and language is like to sort of rebuke the institutions, you created this whole new institutional way of speaking that, Mm -hmm. you know, because like part of the reason why that stuff formed like with Terry Atkinson, who denounced it eventually was that art was not 
given, obviously, you know, you have like Duchamp and ready-made art. And I thought the lettrists were really, really interesting, uh, you mm. know. And Lawrence was like a big fan of the situationists, you know. I think he was very sort of like uh, aware of what was sort of going on at the time. Uh, but, you know, like the lettrism, yeah. Isidore Isu, he talked about like, the notion of a kind of art that could never be created in reality, but could never basically provide aesthetic rewards for its intellectual contemplation. Uh, mm. And he called that infinite aesthetics. You know, this is similar, mm -hmm. actually Charlotte Fang, it turns out I was a big fan of male art and Ray Johnson of Milady you know, who basically started yeah. the whole network spirituality thing, which makes sense. But I thought that was really interesting that it was derived from uh, the infantismals of actually Leibniz, uh, which is like a radical qu uh, cardinality, quantities which cannot exist except conceptually. And I'm a huge Leibniz fan. I think mm -hmm. he got everything correct. Um I'm really into, I mean, the, basically the Omni cringe is like a playoff of like Leibniz and uh, French spiritualism and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I think it's like sort of like interesting to say that like, but then it just kind of gets folded back into the discourse and discourse is self-referential. It never references anything sort of socially. It's not in conversation with even the things that like people are making. You know, like William Blake made right. a whole cosmos. He made an entire world out of the things, sustained off of the things that he was self-producing. But it mm -hmm. wasn't, uh, it, you know, it, it was not like sort of for the sake of I'm the product, I'm Warholian, I'm going to fucking make myself the product that can be sold. And this is like part of the whole like niche internet micro-celebrity boom of like 2020. And mm. I think part of the reason why it failed and there's so much infighting because people are looking for this pie, it's like, because there was really nothing there. I mean, you didn't produce anything, but you produced yourself. Mm. <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> and that's basically it as where you listen to like poem of the, like riding on the equator. It's like such a beautiful song. It's like at a certain point, you're going to have to do an eight minute guitar jam and like yeah. show people what you can do. It, that's like, honestly, their, their best song. Oh, it's so good. Cause they have, I mean like that, I feel like the, that song reminds me a little bit of like the song Mexican bandits. Um, right where it's sort of like one of those just like really long kind of like more instrumental bangers. And it's like, just, I don't know. I feel like I can just, I can live in that song. You know, it's, it's really incredible.
could tell by looking his face he thought you were mine. And I think like, yeah, I mean, felt there's like, what I think is really underappreciated about them is like, that there's a sense of like world building that happens in their music. Um, and, you know, a building of the mystique of Lawrence, obviously that, that, you know, he intended to do with, with the project and with himself. Um, but like, it is kind of like its own world, you know, like it's referencing a lot of things outside of it. It's referencing a lot of like, you know, art and literature, um, and, you know, like, like ancient history and mysticism and things like that. But it's not really like, you know, it's not like when you listen to things like, uh, I don't know, like music that's just constantly referencing like things that are right already in front of you, you know? Right. It's like, think about how much like lately it's just like, like, especially during like the Trump years, it felt like every single television show and every movie that you saw was just like reference. It had to reference the contemporary moment, you know. And it'd just uh, be such a bummer so where you're just like unimaginative, and boring. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, I remember watching like the Super Bowl a few years ago when it was like the Patriots versus Atlanta, and it was right after like the you know Trump election, and it was just sort of like everyone's like, "This is like." Hillary versus Trump. And I'm like, oh my God. Like even like sports becomes an allegory, you know, and everything is all media starts has to like reference the contemporary moment. And like, I don't know, like I just think it's I think it's kind of amazing when you can sort of like live in your own world <laughs> and like oh, totally. live in things like be somewhat like uh uh you know, like a be somewhat ahistorical in the way that you like live and exist, be off trend. You know, right. Um, well, and, like being yeah. a historical is like a really interesting thing because like, I feel like the human of post history is one who's like endlessly swiping on their phone. You know, they've traded uh -huh. the tool for the, you know, sensation of a striated swipe screen in which like their entire world is actually mediated for them. Like there is no world to build because you're captivated by the object. And so all like the world fades into the background as you get closer and deeper into 
this object of devotion that we sort of like mediate all of our things through, which is why I just fucking like hate Twitter and all this shit. So it's just <laughs> yeah. like, I, I like podcasts. Like I actually am a listener of podcasts because I don't have to stare at anything. So it's just sort of like a transmission and I get it and it's dictated yeah. to me and I don't have to fucking think about it or listen to people argue. It's just, it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, like you can just, you can literally throw it on and like drive across, you know, the state of Washington or be in an uh, emergency room. You know what I mean? You can do, you can take it anywhere, <laughs> but like there's something it's like about drugs and alcohol, you know, it's <laughs> a, there's some, you know, it's like, it's supposed to be like the condiments that go on the hot dog. It, yeah. Like the hot dog is like life and that's like supposed to add to your experience, but it's not supposed to be like the entire experience. Absolutely. Um. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, I do find like, and you know, an element to like social media, you know, very interesting. I think the connectivity is really fascinating. I think that like, you know, the way it sort of like creates, you know, like Twitter is like a really fascinating like internet space. Um, TikTok is really fascinating in its own right. And like, you know, but like at the same time, yeah, it's like, I don't know, nothing beats just uh, <laughs> putting on, putting on a, like a really sick record. Just like listening to music or like listening to a podcast or something. Um, I just, I, but it is sort of weird that like so much of the music that's getting written about are like people who have one song that's been optimized for TikTok. They throw these parties yeah. in New York where they play their one hits TikTok one song. song like yeah. four times. Yeah. And it's like, at what point are you just sort of like profaning the entire purpose of what you do? Yeah. You, you I mean, know, like I would yeah. so much rather hear an eight minute long, like riding on the equator than have to go through this like painful experience of like you basically like exploiting yourself to yeah. an audience of people to get, to some other transactional career step or some shit, you know? Yeah. I mean, the, the TikTok thing is really interesting though. Like in the way that it's sort of like vacuums up music from like so many different contexts, you know, and then just sort of like recontextualizes them as like the number one song in videos, you know, like, do you remember like that group King Con and BBQ show? Yeah. That was like, yeah. They had the number one song in the country for like the entire summer because it became like the number one song on TikTok somehow. Like a, a song from like, I think from like whatever that first album is that they did in like, two th like the late 2000s. But like, um, yeah, it was like so surreal. You know, you would see people like just posting videos of like makeup tutorials or like, um, a day in New York or like their dog or whatever. And it's just like soundtracked to like a King Kong and BBQ show that randomly just like got like touched by the algorithm. Um, I don't know. I feel like TikTok is just such an interesting, like it does have this way of sort of like reproducing culture, you know, 
um, that is really like toxic. But then there's also something about it where you're like, how did it just find all of this random data, you know, from like all over history, like musical history or whatever, and then just sort of like resurface it and like redistribute it in a contemporary like context. Um, I don't know. I find it interesting. Yeah, it it is interesting to me. But at the like same, felt, like one day a felt song could get like, like <laughs> just would just. I just could see like sunshine bathed in golden glow, maybe. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's so much of it is like the context of who's in the video and doing what, uh, mm-hmm. and it, you know. It's it is sort of weird to me because I don't know maybe I'm like a little bit naive in thinking that like oh we need to bring back these objects which is why I'm like putting out CDs again and you know like this was never meant to be a podcast I actually fucking hate podcasting I would I like listening to them but I never me- even meant to do it I was just like oh I want some sort of like very similar to maybe art and language, except maybe less heavy on that. Just like, I want, you know, to give some like context to the things that I'm doing maybe like once a month or the things that we're thinking about. And then the Mm -hmm. pandemic hit and it just, I mean, all production basically, I mean, I, I guess you could say like the problem with podcasting even is that like, it's really cool to me when, artists come on the show and they're like, yo, I like I sold stuff, you know, based on going on the show to somebody who had never heard of me before. Like I sold shirts or I sold a painting or this or that, like that is like exactly what I want. Um, but ultimately like there's a difference between possession and consumption and in an informational society, uh, possession gets sublated by consumption. You know, it's like even the things that we use to consume our information and our data, like an iPhone or a computer, like they get too many updates and they stop working. You know, it's like planned obsolescence keeps us in this cycle of like, just come on. Like, you know, nobody gives a shit about what an iPhone looks like. They just want it to be able to facilitate the things that are inside informationally and the Mm -hmm. metadata it's not like nobody really cares about any of this stuff so i i do feel like it is really important to sort of like hybridize things a little bit which is why you know i'm doing more like music mixes and like mixing it up and you know this is like a really fun conversation because i want to talk about all this stuff yeah Um, no for sure and just like get into things like conceptually too and I mean, you work for Nina, so if you want to, if you want to talk a little bit about that too, I think that that could be cool. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like Nina, I think is just for people who don't know, is like you know, it's like a digital, you know, music ecosystem um, that is built. You know, launched like a year ago. It's um, it's built on Arweave and Solana. I mean, the whole general idea behind it is like giving artists like a way to self-publish outside of like kind of these, you know, huge platforms, you know, and, and sort of create their own context around their work. I think like kind of, it's just aesthetically, it's like just such a jarring thing, right. To kind of like go on SoundCloud and just sort of see like (laughs) a little Yachty song immediately followed by like 
cool water immediately followed by like (laughs) some Jersey club edit, you know, followed by like my mix or whatever, you know, it's like, I think that, um, platforms just kind of have a way of just sort of like sucking up all of the music and just sort of like not really giving them the right, the context that they deserve. Um, so that's kind of like a chief idea behind what we do. I mean, like it's really influenced by like archive.org or like discogs or like rate your music and kind of like these different ways of like finding music online, you know, have been really, I think really influential to all of us. Um, I think that sort of informs like how we sort of like create like new features for like Nina and just sort of like how, like we want to have people just be able to like just chill and spend time on there and listen to music and not listen to just like the first five seconds of something, but actually sort of like slow down the way that they like consume music online, like consume digital music. And there's even an element of like, you know, talk, we're talking about like ephemera too. It's like, you know, things are like, music is just published on Nina as like a digital edition. So rather than just sort of like, so rather than something you just upload and there's just like unlimited editions of the work, you know, you can sort of like make it this sort of more bespoke thing, you know, where you're like, here's like 10 copies that you can buy to download. Um, You can stream anything you want, but to purchase it and to become like, you know, to own your copy of this record, essentially, you know what I mean? Like there's only so many editions available. Um, Oh, okay. So it's, it's like limited as where Bandcamp is unlimited. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of up to like the artists, you know, about what they want to do. You know, like if you want it to be like, you, you know, we had an artist like publish an edition of 1 million last week. Um, we've also, we've had plenty of artists who've just published like editions of 10 or like 20. Um, you know, I think people have different ideas about how they want it to be experienced, you know? Um, but like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I think like, I really, I, re- I kind of love the idea of like not having things just be like fully available all the time and feeling like, yeah, they should be less like available. And it's, yeah. it's like really annoying too when people are like, why don't you make all of your podcast episodes free? It's like information. It's like, it's all free anyways. Like, yeah. you know, like you have yeah. to, I mean, what is out there that you can't consume? And like, I'm not trying to just prescribe a singular worldview at all because I do feel like a lot of people come to find I feel like less so now because, you know, things, prescriptive ideologies about the way the world works have become such like a meme and like people become such caricatures of themselves in terms of like their political positions and their this and their that, that I feel like that's like really fallen off. And I think that's a good thing. I think people should feel more empowered to, you know, find their own way and mm-hmm. they're like the mystique of like messianism surrounding like the 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 voice of of covid reason has kind of like washed away and people are just sort of like well how do i go make something and so they're being exposed to things i think that are interesting that they might not be exposed to and i think mm-hmm. that curation is still important but i do th- i mean the thing with like you know, limited editions of like a digital music is 
like I still do think the physical object is really, really important. Like I do think it's important to flip yeah. a page in a book, just like mm-hmm. the way recording digitally was so much different than analog. You know, you have to, if you've ever recorded like with a reel to reel, you know, you have to like wait for the tape re- to rewind. Mm-hmm. I mean, we talk about like the end of history it's it's almost like the handless human is the post historical human. It's the human that only touches things that are smooth. It doesn't really get their hands dirty in any specific medium. That's overly discursive. That's sitting on Photoshop all day long. That's like not ripping sick guitar solos like Maurice Debank did. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. so, so I am like really sort of interested, not in this idea of like authenticity, but temporality. And I think temporality Mm -hmm. comes from a different mediation with the mediums that we are exposed to. Now, like the problem with a lot of the conceptual art of like Robert Barry or whatever, or like Lawrence Wiener or any of these people who had like written in art and language is that like it became like a joke. Like you're putting words out there, but like, what does this fucking do? It's like, oh, so you're upset about X, Y, Z things. So you write some like arcane poem about it and publish it on like, so <laughs> like what, whatever, you know, <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's really hard to take a lot of this stuff seriously now. No, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, like, one, one thing that I've, like, really, that, like, one group that I've, like, really liked, like, recently is, like, um, do you know, like, that mix series C-? minus? Oh, yeah. Or, like, yeah, I was talking about this with Ryan from C-, minus like, recently, but, you know, he, they, they'll, like, release compilations on, like, Bandcamp and then just, like, remove them after, like, two months. And he was telling me, he was, like, you know, it's just, like, I don't know, like, I like that. Give the game away too much, but it was just sort of like implying that it's like kind of cool to be there when it happens and then like find it later, you know, like look, go looking for things. You know, I think like we've just gotten so used to being such like passive consumers of like music lately, you know, that it's rare to kind of like when you get those, those opportunities to really just sort of like, dig and just sort of like really metabolize like what you're listening to and like what you're consuming and like what you're looking at you know um and also just like even just trying to find the thing that you're looking for is always cool like i still use soul seek a lot you know like did you ever use soul seek oh yeah i still use it yeah do i I realize like i've there i've spent more years on this earth using soul seek than not (laughs) <laughs> you know, like I remember getting it when I was like downloading it when I was like 15 or 16. And it was just like, I found everything on there. You know, I got into like this heat and like ESG and oh, then like, got, like, you know, like just like all the stuff that you would read about in like the nurse with wound list or like, um, you know, like every, I remember like there was this LCD sound system song losing my edge that came out around that time where he's listing like every band he liked. And I was just downloading everything, you know, like, and I feel like, um, 
I used to go on like chat rooms on SoulSeek and like get recommended things. And like, you know, I used to like, it, it, and I feel like that era is just so like, like gone, you know, like it's everything just got kind of soaked up into like, you know, user experiences and like these platforms, you know, and like, um, yeah, I really miss just kind of like looking for things, waiting for it to download, you know, and then like right. having to load it into a music player. And like well, you actually have a relationship to the process as opposed to yeah. the like a big problem with like fashion or branding is that it's not about the product. It's about the experience, you know, possession yeah. sort of. And it, like, I feel like all like the way consumption works now is it's about experience. It's like selling you an experience. It's selling you like a certain lifestyle that you live through ownership rather than a relationship to the object that itself that you own. And that's sort of, I, I mean, that's kind of like what's interesting about this box set. You know, I love mm -hmm. box sets. I love big books. Um, I love just like anything like that. In Lawrence of Belgravia, you know, he talks about, he's like, it all has to be in like, you know, record because the, the cover is so big and, you know, he doesn't have a computer. So his entire world and aesthetic comes from like stuff he sees on the street and then his collection of, uh, of stuff th through that he owns, basically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I uh, and, and and it's like sort of like, I mean, the the things that you collect are how you kind of like look back on your life and understand your life too. You know, like. I could go through my record collection right now and just like look at things and like I remember when I bought them. You know, I kind of remember where I was at. You know, like um it like I can go through like my closet and probably find something and be like, whoa, this is like the oldest shirt I own, and like it'll take you back or something. Like it's sort of like the 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 things that you purchase, like memorabilia and paraphernalia and stuff become sort of like your way of outside of producing your own work and like documenting your own life, it does sort of become a way of um, understanding like your own history and stuff. I mean, that's kind of like a weird way of looking at it, I guess. It's like a post-consumer kind of like way of looking at it. Mm -hmm. But I do kind of like, you know, maybe it's like a Mary Kondo <laughs> kind of like energy where I have to like thank all of my clothes or something. But like, I don't know, like I, I find that like to be, also very like um i don't know i find that to be very powerful yeah i i do too actually i think it's um yeah no i i, I think it's great it's it's yeah. so i mean i don't know it it's like even in texas like i feel like um a lot of music is sort of like very, at least the music that I engage with locally is like very inspired by like Alicia Crampton and E plus E. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Uh, but that music sort of has like roots and I think that stuff is just so innovative, like American drift. It's like, yeah. The thing that you sort of notice is like, it has like this strong sort of like post-colonialist, 
uh, bend to it and actually sort of has like skin in the game. It's not purely just sort of like digital progressive conceptual music for the sake of its own. Like this is, so there is an actual like tie or grounding to this stuff. And I think that's really sort of beautiful. And I'd like to see more things like that. Maybe a little bit of like grounding and cultural historicity and identity is like important, even in like a post-historical time, you know, and instead of everything being so like, so like crazy conceptual and, you know, trying to make everything like, uh, not you, you don't have to build the thing. It's like the declaration of intent is the art itself. And the mm-hmm. fact that I declare, which I really like, uh, you know, because my friend Alex Beanstalk is like very much that way. But he's like weirdly grounded, too, because he's not trying to be cool or anything. I just yeah. feel like when you try to be cool, that like fucks everything. It does. Up. It really does. Yeah. I mean, you give the game away, you know, like you, you. There's sort of like something like, I mean, at the risk of sounding kind of like kind of corny, but a lot of art is like deceit, you know, you know, like there's, there's something about like your work has to be, you know, like you can't really like give away a lot of your intentions, I think with art, you know, there's sort of like a pretension that comes with being like an artist, I guess. Um, But like, I don't know, revealing your motives is just so like, I don't know, like it, it ruins the music. Like when things are just trying to be cool, when yeah. things feel like they're being, like checking too many boxes, you know, like things that come like new music that checks like way too many boxes feel way too on the nose. You're just like, I don't know. It just, it ruins it. You know, that's why uh, I feel like manifestos or any sort of declaration should be done physically in Mm -hmm. like as limited numbers as humanly possible so that nobody and a lot of times like i've heard arguments where people are like well people make their logos vague and and flowing so that they can pivot and stay open and fluid as the sort of cultural landscape changes so quickly you know because the trend Mm -hmm. cycles have gotten so fucking short and especially like post COVID, it's it's really really crazy. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. I can't yeah. even believe it. You know, and so I mean, even like in the first issue of Art and Language, um, Saul Lewitt, the conceptual artist, like he had a series of sentences on conceptual art, which I think like you're giving away too much. He says conceptual artists are mystics rather than rationalists. They leap to conclusions that logic cannot reach. Mm. That's, I guess that's fine. Like that's pretty cool. Uh, and <laughs> logical judgments lead to new experience. I totally agree with that. Formal art is essentially rational. That's true too. But then he goes on to talk about like ideas alone can be works of art. They are in a chain of development that may eventually find some form. All ideas need not made physical. Okay, that's true. But Mm -hmm. if you're talking about an idea and you're making this sort of proclamation, then it actually does have to be made physical, especially post-digitization. That might have been true in like 1969, but like, this sort of like endless uh, 
logos of the world and discourse really needs to to find its a form because it's just going to be demystified one way or another. Like we do live in a transparent society. Everything is surveilled. Um, Everything is a glass house. Even if you put up blinds, eventually the insides are going to be doxed. So even, even the idea of like, you know, music, aesthetics, trends, everything, everything just gets eaten up even faster than it ever has before. You know, not, not advocating for like, you know, in a sense, like gatekeeping or anything like that, you know, but like, it is really fascinating how um, things just get consumed with like such velocity now um, that you can't even really, you almost like, it's it's almost like people need to start retreating more into like spaces where they're just like, you know, like no one is allowed here for the sake of just like the longevity of like the project or something. Um yeah, I don't know. That might be a little extreme, but no, no, that's true. <laughs> I mean, a hundred percent. And it, it's just sort of like if you can if you can outlive that cycle because it is so exhausting. And I I don't fault anybody for like, you know, getting in, doing their bid, and then exiting because it's fucking exhausting. You know, it it is so difficult to stay on top, which is why like taking like a virginal state is like super important at just like having that sort of like mental virginity and openness and just being like, I'm sort of like out of the loop, but I'm interested in things still. Um, I think that's really important. Uh, I mean, you know, there are so many times when I think, this is the end. This is the end. Nothing's, you know, we're at the sort of end of the rope here. And as long as I don't know, like, I feel like I'm still open to something else. Uh, you know, I find something that I'm interested in again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I, I feel that completely. I think that like staying interested is the only way to not die of boredom. <laughs> um, yeah. What would you like to see done next? Like in terms of like music or yeah, just in general. Like what what would change all of this? It's it's really hard to say. I mean, like sometimes I just think that like all I really just want at the end of the day is just like a good song. You know, I just want to hear a good set. <laughs> I just want to hear like something that feels like it's not like everything else. But also like I want to see like people reimagining the ways that they can like sort of like experience music or use music as a way to sort of like come together and, and commune and like exchange ideas, you know? And like, I think that happening online is like, already it's already happening online in a really dynamic way. But I think like, taking it out of that space and bringing it into like, you know, into the real world, I think is like really important. I think like maybe even like a return to sort of like, you know, kind of like the world that we sort of grew up in, yeah. you know, of like, really well, that would entail gatekeeping. And I'm, I know, man, <laughs> I'm no, 
You're not going to hear any complaints about gatekeeping for yeah. me. <laughs> like, Wait, how, how old are you, Barrett? Oh, I'm 35. I'm old. Oh, I'm 35 too, man. Oh, so, crazy. Yeah, we're the, the same that, age. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so the world that we grew up in, you know, it was like, not to not to get us all like old timers on the like Francis right. old show, but it's like I just remember going to like like you know my first like noise show or something, and like when I was like eighteen or something, you know, and it was like very very under promoted, and someone just kind of told me to go. I don't know. I just remember like seeing like so many more shows that happened in like unorthodox spaces and just sort of bringing people like kind of the same 40 or 50 people together all the time you know <laughs> i just found that like always really inspiring though and like bringing new music into those spaces and like i just feel like those that was just so formative to me i don't know and you grew up in like la so like la had an amazing scene you know like i think about like when like stuff like the smell like in the mid right i used to go to like, those all the time and there were some insane shows. Like people would play in the bathroom, you oh, know. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, and the was crazy. The first show, the first show I ever booked when I was in high school, I grew up in Spokane, um, in Washington State. For those who haven't been, but um, the first show I ever booked in high school was for Lightning Bolt, and I was like fifteen. And me and like one of my friends had watched that documentary about them um what was it power of salad and we were like we were just watching as they just like went on this like insane tour you know where they were playing in like there was a scene where they played in the kitchen in denton texas you know and like we're and like they, they interviewed the guy who put on the show and he was just like yeah i mean i just like you know i just like emailed their label and like asked if they wanted to play here and he said yes and so they just showed up i didn't even think they were going to show up and like me and my friend who were watching it, you know, like a light bulb just went off, you know, and we were like immediately just like, let's like email the label and see if they want to play in Spokane. They got back to me like immediately and we're like, yeah, sure. And then like, hold up, kind of like side unseen. It was like, I started a band like a, like a month before and I was like, this will be our first show. And then we like played with Lightning Bolt and it was like, kind of oh, wow. this like, unreal kind of experience to have though where you're like interfacing with like i mean they were like 20 years older than us i think not 20 but like they're much older and um i don't know like interfacing with these people who are just sort of treating like you know you're a peer because you kind of like got it or you like tried and i thought that was a really powerful powerful thing but yeah i mean that was they they were kind of like the 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 kings of like taking it anywhere you know playing anywhere and i just feel like that's such an incredible like that's something that's just missing now you know like yeah well there's not there, there's no real spaces to do anything sort of like on like one of the nice things about texas is there you can actually have raves in blown out buildings that are just dilapidated yeah. still or like under bridges and I, and mm -hmm. I do think that that's valuable, especially for people who are like younger, who are experiencing a lot of this stuff for like the first time. I think it's really important to like experience an, an event that's just not sanctioned, you know, that, yeah. that's sort of like put on and presented, even if nobody's making any money, 
it's like that is I don't know like you should just be doing things just to do them but you know it's like I see yeah. all this stuff like online with like everybody sort of like promoting themselves and it's just everything is done even if it's like pretending to not promote it's like super promotional in some like weird backhanded like movie kind of way uh, <laughs> it, and it like it is like actually like sort of like really sort of like getting to me because none mm-hmm. of this stuff is like interesting like i want to be drawn in by like some mysterious cover of like a le- you know a leather glove you know like i yeah. want to like i I don't know. Like, I want to be attracted to something. I don't want it to be like in my face. I feel like part of what makes things good is their is their distance, is your lack of proximity to them. I mean, mm-hmm. like, I think it was like Walter Benjamin talked about how touch was like, or like proximity, just like sight is like sort of like a mystifying or edifying thing when you can see, perceive something, but if you if you're able to touch it too much, then it, it sort of disappears. And it actually right. like, um, you know, there, there's no relationship there anymore. It, especially mm-hmm. with like music or art. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I always think about like, you know, I worked in like record stores for like such a large part of my adult life. And like, um, you know, like I, I remember like, you know, I actually remember like when I finally got a copy of strange idols pattern by felt and like by the time I got it, I had listened to that record probably like 200 times or something, you know? And and since I bought it, like, I want to say like eight years ago, um, I've listened to it once, like on my record, you know what I mean? It's like the moment that you own it, you know, that you, that you purchased the record, the thing you coveted for so long, you know, like, you kind of like, you just stop engaging with it sometimes. Maybe it's just me, you know, because like I kind of like, you know, I'm sort of like ADHD about things and just sort of like move on to the next I try thing. not to be. I'm like, yeah. I really try to like listen to the records that I buy and the CDs. Yeah. And it's like, I actually just got denim on ice on CD and it looks so oh, nice. cool. Uh, I bet it looks amazing on CD. Yeah, it's like because they had like that super sort of like Brit pop, it's like glammy aesthetic, and then yeah. like the logo with a peace sign. It just is on ice. Like yeah. I want that on a shirt so bad. His yeah. drip during that era too was oh, insane, crazy. Like, the performance, the performance of them playing on, I don't even know what show it was. It was some English show where it's like this all white background. Um, they just kind of look like they're floating, you know, and he's wearing oh, like, yeah, he's wearing these like wool plaid trousers. They're probably like Vivian Westwood or something with like a barber jacket, a bucket hat and like sunglasses. And it's the craziest look ever. Um, I can't remember what song they're playing on it, but it's just I like, think is, this is my song to Europe. Is that, yeah, it? that's exactly what it was. Right. Yeah, yeah. At the end of it, they like weigh him on a scale too, which I thought was really <laughs> cool. <laughs> but, I, I um, love, I, I love on go-kart Mozart's first song. His like, uh, album. He has a song about like being in jail with Jean Genet and then like them, like sucking each other <laughs> off. It's just so <laughs> funny. It's like, I'm a sailor boy. I'm a sailor boy. 
It, it's just, oh you know, God. rotten down cell. I get to know Jean Genet well. He, I, I, I drop my pants and pull over and he sodomizes me. I must say, it's just oh like, God, dude. And, and then there's that uh, one song on a denim on ice. It's a, uh, she sucks me off, but I can't come anyhow. <laughs> he's just like but I mean, it's like crazy because like he never like his lyrical content and felt is so like it's almost like kind of morrissey level of like you know it's feels like pure artifice sometimes you know it's autobiographical but it does feel like it's on it's 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 asexual yeah. in a way you know and like uh it's amazing to kind of like yeah when he makes this pivot into like kind of like yeah, like horny Lawrence, like kind of kind of vibes. Um, <laughs> yeah, but even that is like a performance too, right? Because like the whole right. thing is sort of like riffing on, you know, rock and roll music, being a rock star. Um, the lyrics just reflect that perfectly. Like watching the in the Lawrence of Belgravia doc of like them like writing go kart Mozart, and it's like the the session musicians he's hiring, like hiring like. <laughs> Kid to sing yeah on it. it's like just hiring random people who are like paid session people to like professionally sing like basically the, it's, it feels like everyone else wrote the record like or plays the record and he just kind of like wrote it or whatever right well he quit but, playing guitar basically like wow. forever you know like i think the last song he ever did because he didn't play any guitar on poem of the river except mm-hmm. for the guitar solo on writing of the equator and wow. I don't know if that album came out, way to before, go out for, yeah, but that was like his like Lou Reed, I'm putting the guitar down forever. Like I'm too good for this. This is like, you know, kind of like distancing himself from that. And I, yeah. and so, yeah, it's like super funny that he did that. Um, yeah. He is really similar to Lou Reed in a way too, where, yeah, yeah, definitely. And like, I mean like his body of work, parallels like Lou Reed's like very well in that like you know his later work is sort of marked by this these all these very strange excursions like this sort of weird alchemy of like you're like this is still Lawrence or like this is still Lou Reed but it's like it's it's quest like people just are confused it leaves people very confused you know yeah I mean like at at, at the Nina office we were working like a couple months ago we were working and we were listening we put on uh Lulu the uh, Lou and Metallica record. That's a great one. It's crazy. It's, it's like so, so good. weird. It's really, really weird. Um, I feel like that came out like just a couple years before like Bish Bosh, the Scott Walker record. You know? Oh yeah. I, Another I, I great like one. Com- I love yeah. Scott Walker. I think they complement each other really well too. <laughs> like, I think so. They, oh, they kind of their own genre. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of like, you know, I saw something on like, not to riff on stuff I saw on Twitter, but like I saw something on Twitter where someone was like, if Kurt Cobain was still alive, he would be like making like horrible music and like, you know, like wearing the like pink pussy resist hat or something. Yeah. And I, I was kind of like, I actually think that he would probably have made a record similar to Bish Bosh if he was still alive. You know? Yeah. I think, I mean, Scott Walker was like a young heartthrob, yeah. Baroque pop star, you know, the sun ain't going to shine anymore. And then flash forward to le- years later, he's like 
literally like beating a side of meat with a hammer <laughs> and like recording it with a contact mic. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> I think I think that's a cool trajectory. Similar yeah, to yeah. like Alex Chilton or something. Yeah. Oh man, that that yeah. I mean also even I mean even guys like like Bob Dylan kind of kind of embodies that perfectly where I think he's also just as a person just become weirder and weirder, you know? Um Neil Young is kind of like that. Uh kind of. Yeah. He's a little Yeah. Normie. His last record actually was like kind of felt like it just kind of felt like exactly like like the early 90s records and stuff. right i think he's totally calling it in he's just like NPRified or something like that <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah yes this is one of those moments where you separate the art from the artist i guess you know <laughs> yeah 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 definitely uh, and I feel like the politicization, like when artists got involved in the discourse, it just like, oh man, it just really fucked it up for me. It was, it's like become so hard for me to take any of that stuff seriously just because, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, what is Lawrence's thought on this? He probably doesn't have a thought. He's like completely, yeah, yeah. he's just focused on surviving as he talks about like a quid a day or something. Yeah, I mean, even, even yeah, I mean, that's what makes kind of like that's what also kind of preserves him in a way, right? It's like guys like John John Lydon and and you know Morrissey kind of became cranks, you know, and it kind of ruins like all of it. It's sort of like a stick to sports kind of like mentality yeah. that I have with a lot of that shit, where I'm just like, like you know, like Paul. I mean, politics can really like ruin your brain, man. Like I I. I I went like a couple weeks ago to um, me and one of my best friends went to Long Island and went and saw Adam Sandler like oh, perform wow. comedy live, and like opening for him was like Rob Schneider and like you know Rob's like a big he's a big like MAGA like kind of crank and like he opened the whole show and it's just like all oh, that was just like it was the most like just like obvious like politics stuff. politics yeah like, like I li so i live in california yeah i know you know california you know and you're just like oh my god and just like it, it was so terrible and we we're like man we got like two more hours of this shit you know like sandler's coming on for it always needs to like frame itself in opposition to something yeah that they've seen instead of it being like Look, if you just say politically incorrect things that are not tied to anything discursive, people will mm -hmm. just think it's funny and they're not going to well, care. Yeah, I mean, so conversely, like... Well, that's why Sam Hyde is so funny now because once he, like, dropped the whole, like, alt-right shtick, he just mm. got so fucking funny. Yeah. And it's just his stuff is, like... Like, just, like, trying to fight Hassan Pike, you know? It's just, like, him just, like, mm -hmm. punching holes through his... It's just everything he does is just fucking hilarious. It's just gotten so much... He's, like, transcended. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what... That, that That's what Sandler felt like, too, though. So Sandler came out, and we're like, man, here we are. We're in for, like... You know, we're in for, like, jokes... Like more jokes about politics or whatever, you know? Like, more, like, political brain shit. And, like the first joke he came out with was like the joke he opened with was like how he was like, my, my grandparents, you know, like they, they ran out of money uh, in their retirement. So my grandma started a kissing booth, 
you know, and like, and, it, and, it, and it's like, and then, um, you know, so my grandpa came up and he gave her $20 and he started kissing her and gave her another $20 and he started kissing her. And then, and then my grandpa came out and was like, what the hell are you doing? You know, cause it was like the wrong grandpa or whatever. And it was like, it was the shit like that were just jokes about like, it's like classic comedy, you know, where it just felt very, like it transcended like the culture in a right. way. You know? And it felt like I wasn't just like being subjected to just like a guy reading the news for me or something, you know, and instead just kind of had like just Sandler just riffing, you know, like using his talent to just be like, um, to actually just try to entertain people. And I think that that was like, actually kind of like, it was brilliant, you know, in a way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, I, that's like what a comedian is supposed to do. You know, it's like, you can take something anthropologically like like Yakub or like some like sort of like mm-hmm. black Hebrew Israelite thing, which I think should be like engaged with in a funny, fun way, just because <laughs> I think it's fucking funny, you know, and mm-hmm. it's and it's like like it's funny to look at this stuff comedically instead of like seriously, uh, you, you know, instead of some like ideological opposite. I think Terry Atkinson even says something is like social realism was Western art's most conspicuous ideological opposite. So you're doing an avant, like, so like a lot of these like quote unquote, like left communist bourgeois conceptual art people, like, you know what I mean? It's like have to create some ideological opposite to a hegemon that exists instead of just being like, you know, there's a, there's a wide tapestry of indifference out there in the world. Why don't you tap into that? Because ultimately like best way to take power away from things is to just do your own thing and prove to others that they can too. Like that's how you topple the quote unquote regime. It's not done through like voting or fucking like, you know, making some, you know, text art, uh, post-internet text art with like Pepe, the, you know, it's, it's not done that uh, way, you know, like that's yeah. just not how like, and it's weird to see people still feeding into it's, I'm, I think it's ending. Like, I do think people are like getting into like this like really weird sporty mode. The the obsession with celebrities is a little bit troubling to me right now. Like everyone is still mega focused on whatever fucking celebrities do and say. And I'm just like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only celebrities I really follow on my like Twitter are just like football players. Honestly, it's all uh, I, yeah. I just love it. They just keep it real. You know, it's just like, I, you know, thank God for the dub. Thanks to my O-line. You know, like, I, I'm just like, I'm like, that's, that's tight. You know, it's just yeah. all that does is just get me more hyped on like a win or something. Right. <laughs> that's kind of, I mean, that's kind of how I feel. It's like just trying to feel good about like what you can do. And that's kind of why I'm like, oh, I'm like putting out more CDs and I'm working on another book right now with yeah. a friend and. You know, I'm just like, I've just got this like nine month plan to like grind out and make as much shit as I can. Yeah. And so far it's like, you know, it's like I'm make I'm drawing and painting and like, that's, I love it. I mean, that's kind of really where it's at, you know, playing a lot of guitar, 
happen. <laughs> like the, I feel like if you read too many books, it has this negative effect where you start it all like it all starts blurring together because mm-hmm. I was reading them optimally so I would have stuff to talk about that had nothing to do with like experience or the news cycle or mm-hmm. XYZ thing. And then it's just like, I was just sort of like frying my brain on more information than I could technically like process. Mm-hmm. And maybe like my mnemotechnical ability is like a little bit less than some people. Maybe I'm just dumber than some people, but yeah, I mean, I can't be consuming that much info. So it's been like really fun to sort of like read again and get back into that process Cause there is a moment where it's like, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to talk about. Like, I don't know what's going on here, but it can literally just be about felt. It's like, Oh, this is something that I found really like life changing. Like it changed my whole life. When when did you first hear felt? And like, Um, what was the, I mean, I heard felt like this was back when girls were like big, Yeah, you know, just because felt and suede were like being, you know, they kind of had a weird, tragic Lawrence-like... I mean, Chet died, he OD'd. And yeah. I used to know him a little ago, bit. Yeah. Uh, and then... Uh, Christopher, right? Is yeah, he he's yeah. he was like he, in and out of being homeless, busking yeah. on the street for money. Like, they, they definitely had this, like, tragic... And I never really liked his singing. It sounded like, even though I think the songwriting is good, the lyrics aren't good, but the songwriting is great. Uh, it it is sort of like sad to think like, oh, here was this massive band that just mm-hmm. like, and now like, what's the analog to girls like the nineteen seventy five or something? It just oh, sounds man. like Maroon Five to me. <laughs> yeah. Like that I mean I would, I would totally I like see boys. them and I think of like, oh God, your body is absurd type of like <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah 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 your body is absurd. <laughs> I mean I wouldn't I wouldn't totally compare like girls in nineteen seventy five really because I feel like girl uh, like 1975 feels like uh it's one of those it's like one of those bands where like you know they they came out with a song where they're like talking about contemporary events and that's like why people enjoy it so much i'm more pissed because they they completely bit that blue nile song uh downtown lights for like that really big song of theirs and like the whole thing is just like you know in the song they sing like rip little peep you know and just like and it, and it, there's something about it. Just it's so cringe. It's sort right. of like we didn't start the fire or whatever. It's like updated Billy Joel or something. Yeah. Um, well, it it goes <laughs> back to that whole thing that people do now, where they feel like meta self referentiality is yeah. something new. But like this is like boring conceptual art practice shit that had been done in the 19s. Like people have been doing this meta meta thing since the 70s. Like it's it's actually not interesting anymore. To me, Nathan Felder's show, the rehearsal is just cruel. It's just a cruel reflection of this sort of anti-sociality and relations that we already have in real life, which is why everyone's like, oh, it's so funny. It's like I open Twitter and I see this kind of like transactional, bizarre sort of like, 
lifeless dead. It's like, we don't need more of that in the world. Like we actually need people to like create a world and inhabit that world. So others can also, yeah. it, it engages too much. Like it's too discursive with everything else. And like, I want less of that. I want more felts. Like I want more things that are just, you know, it's just about attracting rather than promoting. And I feel like mm-hmm. the way, you know, making a show about a show and name dropping little peep in your song, it's just metadata. Like it's mm-hmm. ultimately because mm-hmm. it's a because it's a particularization that's optimized to gain you more attention within the fucking symbolic exchange of the attention economy. I think what they want is they want to be those people. They want the success because that success is very easy, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, really the goal at the end of the day is just to, to exist somewhere out of time, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. To transcend, you know, to like be beyond the timeline, you know, like I think that is, I mean, that's honestly another thing that I guess going back to your question of like, what would I want to see? You know, I think like things that just feel like they can't really get chewed up, you know, and things that aren't as compostable, you know, as they currently are. And like, I think like things having some sort of like sense of, you know, staying power. I think like that comes with things, not, not necessarily like things like not being popular or staying underground or whatever, but also things just like existing off of off trend off mm-hmm. of the timeline, you know, like, people just creating things out of, out of nothing, you know, creating things out of like no context, you know, like it's like, you don't uh, need a context to make anything like that's what (laughs) makes it good. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, I just, yeah, it's fucking weird. (laughs) It's, it's weird to see, like, I love Leibniz. Like I love William Blake. Like these are people I Mm -hmm. look up to because they just literally, We're like, I'm going to create computational algorithm. Like, I'm going to create this entire cosmology and world. uh, And it's just crazy. I don't know. Like, I find that to be so inspiring. Like, this sort of, like, renaissance man instead of, like, the multi-hyphenated creative, which, like, every practice and medium is supposed to sort of, like, you know, it's it's just done optimally. It's not done out of any sort of craft or intention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, I feel like my my approach to even being like a, you know, like a quote DJ in a sense, like it's not really coming from a place of like, yeah, I'm a, I'm like um, you know, I'm a a you know, blank, 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 blank DJ, you know, like the hyphenate thing that you're mentioning. It's like, this is just really coming from a place of like, I, you know, I just love music. And this is sort of, (laughs) it just kind of becomes like a tool for me to sort of like create these like expressions out of music that I really love. And it's cool with ambient music because like, I don't know, like newer, new ambient music like these days is just taken on this like new form you know, that's like transcended a lot of the like, uh, you know, early, like kind of like, Eno or like 
Wyndham Hill style influence. You know, it's like it's less about this sort of like hokey make believe like you know LA graphic designer he, you know healing vibes like culture oh, and like man. actually kind of become something a little bit more like akin to like folk music. You know, like a, but yeah. no, no, yeah, yeah, you have a good point. Like, yeah, there's even stuff like you know like. Um, stuff that comes out on like West Mineral or 3XL where like you listen to like some of that stuff and it's like you know like some of the songs are like really sexy too you know kind of like really like passionate and like intense you know and like um, or they just kind of feel like really cryptic and autobiographical or you know and like um, and I just feel like that to me it's sort of like I don't know like it's like kind of more like, I think that's what's drawn me so much to it is that it just, it definitely kind of feels like people are bringing you into their world a little bit. And it, like, I don't know. Uh, it's also just fun to kind of like mix that music. You know, I think that generally, you know, DJ culture revolves around like playing parties and I, and I do play parties and stuff in clubs and stuff. But like, I think that like um, using music as like sort of these, these, you know, in this more sample based way, you know, like yeah. sort of create all these like, like texture, epic collage. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Even like the way that like like for the show, like I always do it kind of like on Ableton or like um, I originally started doing it on GarageBand, and like it was just cool because you can just sort of like paste things together, you know. Right. And like even like when I would put uh, like vocals on it to kind of like talk, just put con like some context to the show or introduce it. Like I'm still like recording that on like my iPhone most of the time and then just like pasting it in there or something like using that as like another piece of collage. Um, but like, I don't know, man. I just, I think that like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel like, um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I just think it's cool. <laughs> like, I don't know. Really I didn't have like a bigger point about it, but I just really love it. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I love felt. This has been a good chat. Yeah, it's been great. Um, yeah, man. Um <laughs> I I like I like re I'm like weirdly liking talking again even though I fucking <laughs> usually hate it. Cuz right. now I feel like it's like now that I've sort of gone back to like drawing and recording music and I'm playing my first live show on the 19th in like years. Wow. Um, Where at? In in Austin? Yeah. I'm playing with like Nudo and some other sort of like deconstructed, like, you know, like that stuff is like really big in Texas because the, mm -hmm. the rabbit halcyon, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's a lot He's of stuff. Houston, right? Yeah. 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 Like it has, it has like a good feeling to it and it, it feels regional in a weird way, not a weird, not a weird way, but it, it it's unique in how, regional it sort of like feels yeah know, it feels a little bit more like well earned than just like blog house guy in <laughs> brooklyn or <laughs> i know exactly what you're referencing i'm just trying to just no i'm just you know like <laughs> no i I, I know i know what you mean like that feels like such a psyop not to use that word too like i don't even use that word lightly but it is yeah, it's astroturf. Yeah. I don't I like don't get it. Like there's so much like people are making things other places that are really impressive mm -hmm. that are not just 
you know, one or two tracks that mm-hmm. reference somebody else that you know that are actually just sort of like hypnotic and bizarre and, you know, like that feels just like a little bit different. And I, mm-hmm. I think people, they can recognize that, you know, I think right now it's like, you're going to start to see more of things cropping up in that formula of just people like making full things again. And that's yeah. like really, I don't know, like that to me is like mega important. Like yeah, the, the best thing I felt was like making this stupid fake joke philosophy book that came with a DVD movie just because mm-hmm. it's like so stupid. Like why would anybody do this? But I just found out it's like being taught at some in a philosophy course at Bennington College. Like me and my friend's fucking joke book about like the Omni cringe and the negative, like it's like insane to me. And it's just because it's like, oh, we like had a lot of fun making this and it is like a meta commentary on theory for sure. And it has like Mm -hmm. takes from like a lot of different disparate like concepts that we've actually researched but it's like that's just like the best feeling just like putting out a cd putting out a book making another book i'm doing a fan fiction sci-fi uh post uh thing on hair metal with an artist friend of mine it's like a hair metal fan fiction science fiction book so yeah i mean just keep keep like I, I hate to be the person to say this every fucking week, but it's like, I just tell people like keep making stuff. You don't, oh, yeah. like you just have to For keep sure. making things. Like that's yeah. it. Listen to shit you like to listen to. Like, oh, yeah. I want to, you know, stoke. Pe- I want people to be stoked, you know, like fuck all this like dumb shit. I don't know. So <laughs> that was <funny. laughs> no, I mean like just, just be stoked. Just do what feels good. Like don't, I mean, now we're at, I mean, like not again, not to age us, but you know, we're now at the age where we've kind of seen like so many cycles of things, right. Of like, and we've been so proximal to like music scenes and like ambition and like, you know, friends whose music got really big friends who crashed and burned and friends who never went anywhere. And honestly, the happiest people I know who came out of working in music, like, or like trying to make a career in music or were prolific musicians are people who kind of just only did things that they wanted to do. And people who, not necessarily people who didn't play the game, but people who are just like, no, like I'm just sort of not willing to compromise my vision or my, my, you know, my direction for, yeah, to make moves. Yeah. Like not, there's no ambition I think is the thing. I think it's good to stay ambitiously unambitious. You oh, know? totally. <laughs> but like, as soon as I start like getting too ambitious, it's like I just feel this like, ugh, it just feels disgusting. But like, mm-hmm. I have everything. And your work I need. suffers. Oh, hundred percent. Your shit just starts like, yeah, it's it gets really sort of gross. And I mean, I see a lot of like young artists and musicians like get a little bit of recognition now. And it's like, like I've already, you know, like it's a different time, but a lot of, I've seen people just totally fucking crash. It's just, and again, it's like, you can't really make the same 
like the analogs are so different because the way it's portrayed and exposed is so different. But I just think Lawrence did it the right way. Like I would rather be living in a council flat, like on like Sabah, like fucking Suboxone, you know, in some like weird postmodern brutalist apartment surrounded by my like weird kitschy fantasy world in in like in like kind of like ran through like like vivian westwood like drip you know like yeah but his drip is so dope oh it's timeless it's timeless um yeah like i would just so much rather be that guy than any anyone else like seriously i totally agree it's worth it. So
Yeah. 